the first thing you have to know about church or this church is what it isn't. So I'm going to talk about a gem for a minute. Let me talk about what it isn't. Because what Orchard Grove isn't, it, 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 it isn't what a lot of us grew up with or what you knew. Many people, the idea of church in America in the year 2000, whatever, is it's a place you go to check a box that somehow miraculously makes God happier than he was. Huh? Like he was like, okay, happy with you on Saturday morning, but if you went to Sunday night or Saturday night mass or you went to Sunday morning mass or whatever your thing calls it, okay, you got the box checked, God smiles. Are you with me? You're good for a week. Go live like hell. I mean, it's just, so the first thing I have to say is it's not a box that you check that somehow earns you points, gets you favor with God. Can I honestly say this? I don't think it in any way makes God per se happier. Now, I can't tell you how many sermons I heard where God was somehow happier because I made the journey. Huh? How many of you, it's just a pain to get up on Sunday morning? It's just a pain. How many of you watching online, you know what I'm talking about because you didn't. I have something else to say about that later, but that's, uh, that's another sermon, right? This, honestly, it's, was, this, this is a new technology. It's, it's just everywhere, right? Things are online. And we wanted to make it easy for, we have shut-ins. We have people, right? Um, Kim, like Peter, like people that just can't get here anymore. And like, what a beautiful thing. They could turn on a computer and they're part of our family, right? Um, but it's not ideal, right? It's not ideal if you're just, anyway, I don't want to push too hard. I'll push another day. Um, but a gym is something that you go to, not so that if God's the owner of the church, he's happy. The owner of the gym is happy, like, yay, they came. He probably, the owner of the gym, he or she probably prefer you don't come, just pay. Is this true? I mean, there's a whole, you can learn about that too. There's a whole lot of money being made by people that know you'll never go, but you'll pay a lot of money because you think you might go. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I know a people. I know a guy that's got the biggest yacht you could imagine. He just owns a bunch of gyms and laughs. These idiots. Send me their money, and they somehow think they're getting in shape, you know, or a gym. If you want to do a Bible verse, and I'm like, all right, let's do a Bible verse. Some of you are panicking. I haven't done a Bible verse yet. First Timothy 4, verse 7. First Timothy 4, 7, ready? Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Let's say it out loud together. Ready? Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now, I had to get the amplified version here because godliness is such a difficult word. Purpose of godliness. Let me just for a minute. Difficult word. What does that mean? Well, to some people, it means like you're an oddball. Let's be honest. Like, oh, this guy's godly. It means he's wacko, right? Some people, it means he's godlike. 
It's humble. It's beautiful, soulful, compassionate, right? But I use the amplified because we don't really know what, how to translate it. It depends on what's in your head when I say the word godly, if that's a good thing or not a good thing. So I'm using the amplified because it says to keep yourself spiritually fit. Throw it back up there if you would. Keep yourself spiritually what? Fit. So spiritually fit, um, meaning, here's what I'm meaning. You, my friend, are not just a body with brains. I said I did two or three funerals this week. Something happens at a funeral. The daughter gets up. Her hands start to shake. They tremble. They start to say words about the father, and they, 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 the voice starts to shake. If the person was a body and brains, why would you shake? Why would you quake? We know. We know. No matter what you, you, you believe, what you've been told, or how scientific you are, we just have to know there's more to us than this. This is an important starting point. There's more to you than this. Don't they say that every seven years your whole body kind of turns over all of its cells anyway? Huh? You're a whole new man, bro. Isn't that weird? If we were just this, like you, you, you died like seven years ago. We're soulish. We're, we're, we're spirit. We're, we're more. We know that. Because we're passionate, because we're driven, because we care, because we cry, because we laugh, because we yearn for God, and we yearn for purpose. So we have to address the fact that we're more. Now, you can go to all kinds of gyms around here that serve all kinds of your, your bodies and brains. Good things. I'm all for that. I think it's all connected, by the way. I think it's all connected. I don't, I don't dichotomize it. But, but to, to avoid, to forget about, to deny the fact that you're a spiritual being, at your core, you're soulish, is complete foolishness. Honest to God, and... and let me just do a little aside about call it church or call it feeding your soul or whatever. But that's why you can't just stick your head in the sand and, and, and golf, 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 golf and forget that you are a spiritual being and just try all of these other pursuits and thinking somehow the inner, inner real me is going to be addressed. You have to address the in, inner real you who exists, who asks questions, who yearns, who cries, who prays, who needs. And so the, the, the gym has to be for the soul. So the, the gym for the soul, it's not about attending for points. And let me just say this. It's not about attending for the sake of attending. Can I just do a little aside here? You know, like you ever see someone that goes to the gym like for the purpose of going to the gym? Well, let me say it this way. To me, the purpose of going to the gym is so that you can be better physically fit to do whatever else it is that you want to do in life. 
whether that's play a sport or just live a longer, healthier life or play with your grandkids when you're older, whatever, you have some meaning of going to the gym for a purpose of engagement in wider life. Could you go with me there? Anybody, please. But, I mean, I met a few of them. I call them meatheads, but God love them. But they just like, their purpose is the gym. You know what I mean? And it's like, you go there so that you can be seen at the gym. And the same thing happens in churches. People, the, the church becomes the end in itself. People, honest to God, some people go to church too much. Honest to God, they do. Just please go do something with your life. No, they do. They, they, they go there so that they can show all the scriptures they know and they can do this and they can be seen by other people. And, and you met them. I mean, we don't have to talk about them. And they're the same people that go to the gym to be seen by other people, not to, for their workout so they can become a better person. So the purpose is not, it's not an end in itself. It's not so you can become godly, if that's, can I say that? It's so that you can become better at being a human. Can I do this for a minute? The purpose is so that you can become a better human being. Can I even stretch it a little further? Don't throw things. The purpose is not so you can become a better Christian. How many times have I heard that? I want to just want to be a better Christian. No. Be a better human. You, you, some of you got to think about that. Like, wait a minute. What the heck does that mean? I thought, that, I thought that was the whole purpose. No. It's not so you can become some subset of a human. It's because Christ was the ultimate human. So it's a matter of semantics, but the thing is we miss it because Christian usually has to do with something like how well you attend church and how do you do this. But let's just put all that aside and say, really, the real point of doing any of this exercise ourselves is so I can be a better human being. I thought some of you would like that or be into that or agree. It's okay. I'm going to do a long sermon today. I just had it in my mind. I'm going to... You... The purpose is not so that you're good at church. You say, well, what would be a better human being? Or as it says in that verse, what would be spiritual fitness? How would I measure? So we have things that we measure, like how, much, how many pull-ups can I do? Um, you know, how, what, what do I run the mile in? What do you run the quarter mile in? What's your resting heart rate? Are these things we measure? Do any of you do anything with your life? I mean, some of you these are you measure at the gym, right? Resting heart rate, okay. Um, so you're trying to get my resting heart rate down. I'm trying to get my weight at a certain thing. I'm trying, okay. What do you measure? Well, that's a good question. You know where I would start? What Paul called in Galatians the fruit, the re results. So if you go to the, a, a personal trainer, you say, well, what's your goal? What do you want to have your goal? What's your output? And you say, well, I want to be able to play with my kids. Or you know what? I'm training for a marathon. I want to be able to run. Those are two different goals. But this is what you're trying to do. What are we trying to do? Let's ask a really crazy, crazy question. What the heck are we here for? Ready? I would use... The Apostle Paul's fruit. The fruit, the result, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. What if, what if 
When people thought of you, they thought of those things. How many think we're there? We're pretty darn close, aren't we? But the problem is it's got an exchange. When you use the word godliness, people go, oh, I'm training myself to be godly. And you go, well, what is that? Knows a lot of Bible verses, never misses church. Are you with me? Eh. I know a lot of idiots that know a lot of Bible verses. I mean, I shouldn't say idiots. Um, beautiful works in progress who know a lot of Bible verses. This, are you with me? I know a lot of people who never miss church, but I don't want to be like them. What, what are we going after? we got to keep the goal in mind. Love, joy, peace, peace. That's why I don't get it because people, they always come to me. People always apologize to me. Always. Stop apologizing to me. First of all, I'm not God. Second of all, I don't care. I don't care about anything. I don't care how many verses you know or don't know. I don't care how often you're I just don't care. Are you loving? Are you happy? You say, well, what, what does that matter? I, I think most of the godly people I know are grumpy. Exactly. <laughs> Love, joy, peace. Is your heart full of peace? Patience. My wife says I'm the most patient person she knows. <laughs> it wasn't a joke. I, that was not a joke. To yeah. kindness. Why isn't please? Why isn't that the measuring stick? Can we make that the measuring stick again? Can we put it on a wall or something, Tim or somebody? Can somebody write this down? What, can we put love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness? So maybe we'll write it right on our walls here. So you know, this is what we're going. This is the measuring stick. Resting heart rate. Resting heart rate. Someone gets in your kitchen, gets in your grill, and all of a sudden you're patient. Whoa. That wasn't me 20 years ago. New person. The goal is not to attend. Attending, now let me talk about attending, because I just told you I don't care. But let me talk about attending, or participating is a better word. If I, like I've been thinking about getting my gym set up in my garage. I've been thinking about it. How many know how long I've been thinking about it? Honest to God, does it do me any good to think about it? What if I, look at this. I've been thinking, this is what I'm thinking about. I'm going to watch videos about guys working out. <laughs> Honest to God, like, I'm going gonna, gonna to dedicate like three hours. I'm going to binge. I'm going to Netflix and chill videos of guys working out. Are you with me? It's not getting me there. It's not getting me there. It could, it could lead to me getting there. Attending church. Let's just talk about it. There's a Bible verse, you know, I could throw that at you if that helps. The guilt. It's not about guilt. It's not about making God happy. Honest to God, if it means anything, and I hope it does, it should be like you going to the gym. 
it should change you in some fundamental way. It should change you in some fundamental way. It should improve you. Now, what happens at the gym? Does it feel good? Tricky question, huh? Isn't that a tricky question? Mm, does it feel good? You're like, hmm. Some of you lie and go, yeah, it always feels great. I love it. And there's a point at which we learn a workout happens when your endorphins kick in, right? You know, people out there that know things about this, look at me. Yeah. They kick in, and then, then, then something uh, chemical, biological happens inside your body, and you do feel better. But, bro, trust me, it don't feel good. Getting on that treadmill or hitting the weights or stretching, that it, it hurts. In other words, there is some dis can I say there's some discomfort involved. There's some less easy. Let me just do Is it an easier path to sit at home and watch the Lions play with some chips? <laughs> is that more comfortable? So you have to say it's not about comfort per se. In other words, what I'm trying to say is I wanted this to be a place where you weren't always comfortable. And then it's, you know, getting out, getting the kids ready, getting, I know, I get it, I got them, I get, it's, it's complicated, it's difficult, but you do it because you think somehow fundamentally, I got to take care of this body because it's the only one I got, and I want to, I want to, I want to play with my grandkids, or whatever the thing is, I keep using that today, I don't know why. The same is true. Let me be blazingly clear with you. It has nothing to do, zero to do, with making God happy at all. It has everything to do, hopefully, with improving the kind of person that you are. Keeping you spiritually fit. What do you do at a gym? What are these technologies you speak of? Well, at a gym, you do all kinds of things. The thing you're supposed to do when you start, anybody? Warm up and some of you, some of you really do need to go to a gym. My God. Stretch. Now, I grew up skipping both of those, right? When you're 18 years old, I don't need to warm up, bro. Coach is like, yeah, you do. Warm up. Left over right. And this, honest to God, I used to lead the cow. I used to lead these. And like, I just bow my head. You know, my, I don't want to stretch. Let's get to hitting somebody. Is anybody with me? Let's blow up somebody here. And, and, but the older you get, how many know stretching is not just, it's like some lame exercise. It's everything. Is anybody with me? Huh? Who at some age like, realized that your shoes are a long ways away from you? <laughs> like, I, I just sent text messages down there. It's, like, it's a long way. Yeah. Now, stretching. Let's, we're going to talk about stretching today. Stretching. Good physically. Essential. Um, love him or hate him. Tom Brady's the GOAT. 
At this time, he is the greatest quarterback of all time up till this time. There's no question about that anymore. But he's got this whole thing, and he's, get, he's getting up there. But guess in his book what he writes about? Stretching. The key to his longevity is stretching. And he's got all kinds of people that can stretch him for himself, and that's a whole other thing. But stretching. I want to talk about stretching for a minute. I think you should come here to be stretched. I do. Is it comfortable? How many know I could feel pain in my back right now just thinking about bending over and doing toe touches? It's not comfortable. Stretching is not comfortable. It pushes you a little past. Now, I don't know. I'm not an expert. But what I was taught when I was doing is you want to go down. You want a little past what feels comfortable. A little pull. Not a massive whomp. Is anybody with me? Which is why part of what we do at Orchard Grove, listen carefully to me, is we try to stretch you a little. But it's difficult for me as a teacher. Can I say this? Because some of you, are, some of you, you can put yourself in a pretzel. Honestly, physically, you're just like, wow. And some of you, you know, it's just like, eh. Spiritually, it's the same thing. So think of just, can I just as an aside, think of it from as a teacher. I'm trying to stretch us, but I have to stretch us slowly. Because if I just start pulling you down, I mean, hamstrings are going to start popping all over the place. So some of you, listen, who are mature physically, you're like, come on, bro, just get with it. Just tell them. Just let them. Okay, that's fine because you're there. But we got to bring everyone along together. Is this, are you with me? Sometimes it would be a little too much stretching for you, the things I'll say, and sometimes it's not enough. But be a part of the family. Please. I mean, I'm so tired. It's like, well, no, it doesn't stretch enough. Or just, just realize it's a big group. But the point is stretching. So what you do is this is my comfortable range, right? And then you just drop a little bit more, a little bit more. I actually think this is what the whole Bible is about. I'm going to insert in here five to eight minutes of teaching right now. In the middle of this thing, I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to teach you how to understand the Bible. Who's ever tried to read the Bible? Who's ever failed? All the same hands. Okay, very good. Um, who... Dropped out in Leviticus. Right, we're going to teach from Leviticus today, all right? That's what we're going to do. All right. Um, I need a Bible verse. I don't need that one. Let's come back to that one later. Um, can, you, can you throw me another one? Not that one. Is there a Hosea verse? Did I miss it? Is there a Hosea verse? Yeah, let's do that one. Well, let's start with a verse. Ready? Hosea 6. Let's say this together. For I desire mercy. Let's say it out loud. Come on. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Okay, stop. 
This is a Bible verse, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Bible verse named Hosea 6.6. This is a Bible verse. The thing I need you to understand about this Bible verse, how many of you grew up like, I believe the Bible, I believe the Bible. Some of you just are not, just haven't even grown up. All right. What does this Leviticus say? Leviticus is like, well, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Let me put Hosea right here. Why is Hosea trashing the Bible? That Hosea, he's not a real pastor. Man, that Hosea, he just doesn't get in the word like he should. Man, that Hosea, that's not a real, I mean, he needs to come to a real church. That Hosea. How many knew Hosea 6-6 before you came here? That's what I thought, nobody, right? But it's in there. And he's trashing who? Leviticus. Whoever that guy is. Has anybody ever read Leviticus? Can you pivot to the Leviticus verses? I mean, we're going to have a good time. Because this is what happens. If anyone's ever read the Bible, they're reading along and like, you know, Genesis is hard to understand, but it's like, okay, there's the flood and there's a rainbow and like, oh, some story. Oh, wow, that's kind of a weird. Whoa, that's weird. But there's stories. Then all of a sudden you get to Leviticus. I mean, it's this because that's all it is, is bloodshed. And it's this because you, this is what you feel like doing to yourself, trying to read through Leviticus. Um, let's throw a couple up there. Leviticus 1.5. You're just, just jumping in. Welcome. It's like, welcome to, my, welcome to Leviticus. You are to slaughter. Who here has ever slaughtered anything? Two, yeah, got a couple of you. You have. Probably hunters or people that grew up on farms, slaughtered things. How's that? Is that a good time? It's gross. But some of your hunters, you know, that's what you do. Boom, boom. I got, you, got your cam- you got your camels on there. You're probably heading out afterwards, all right? I mean, um, I had friends that would hunt. They tried to teach me how to hunt. I'm not a hunter. I just, I just, I don't know how to do it. But somehow these guys taught me, and I, I, sh- I shot a rabbit, or at least my gun went off that way, and a rabbit fell. <laughs> Honest to God. And... Uh, we went over there, and he's like, you got you to gotta clean it. You gotta, I'm like, I do? And he's like, yeah. So could you help? And his dad comes over to help me. I'd never done it before. Just wretched. It reeked. It just, fuck. Oh. He's like, something's wrong with this rabbit. I'm like, no kidding. Like, well, there's blood. There's guts. I mean, just use this one word, slaughter. Just think about that word for a minute. By the way, it goes on to talk about the priest taking the entrails, like the innards, and pulling them all out, and the intestines, and it's in the Bible. Slaughter the young bull before the Lord, and then it gets better. Aaron's sons and priests shall bring the blood and splash it. Like Charlie likes to take a bath and splash. She likes to splash it. Huh? Aaron and his kids, there's blood just going everywhere. Splatter it. 
against the sides of the altar, the tent. Like, we just want blood everywhere. We want to look like a Halloween flick in here. Now, can you imagine if we still did this kind of stuff? You bring it up, and you're like, okay, bring up the priests, and they start slinging blood everywhere. Leviticus, it's in the Bible. Is it in the Bible? Am I correct so far? Do you mind if I teach you for like five minutes? Like, I'm going to anyway because I got mad at you this morning. I'm like, I always got to go somewhere. I'm, like, I'm going to teach them something. I always got to go somewhere. Leviticus. Um, well, let's do some more. You wash the internal organs and the legs and the priest is to burn it on the altar. It's a burnt offering, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. So this is the picture. God's somewhere up above is going, ah. By the way, if you've read through Leviticus, you see that phrase over and over again. God's getting high on this stuff. He loves it. Leviticus, just stay with me. Stay. Leviticus says God gets high on this stuff. He loves it. Hosea says he hates it. Deal with it. It's in the Bible. You Bible junkies are always writing me emails. Send me one. Send me one. You have nothing you know what to say. It's just, they're both in the Bible and they contradict each other. They clearly contradict each other. We've got to do something with this. The world of Leviticus, here's my answer. I don't know. Because you know what? After I did four years of Bible school, then I had to go and learn the Bible. <laughs> Honest to God. Because people come to me and go, what, do you, what about this? And I would go, I don't know. What, what the heck is this? And I would go, I don't know. I just went to Bible school. I had to figure something out. I had to get some framework to, what the heck's going on here? I started this through the help of a lot of other people. People, smart people, coaches. I started to see the Bible as a trajectory. And this is important. And things that were said here in Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus were early on, reflected, listen, a level of understanding at that time. One of the huge things people think is they think the Bible is all written in like a weekend. Like some guy went on a retreat and had a, a megaphone and he, God just told him what to write down. This is compiled over hundreds or thousands of years. Start there. The Bible compiled over hundreds of years. Could you imagine trying to keep a stream of thought going for a hundred years? This was a long, long time ago. And a long time ago, people thought that God or the gods or divine beings got high on sacrifices. 
And they did this for a reason. You could study the history of religions. I don't have time. Um, the golden ball or whatever, some others. And what you would discover is people started to make these offerings because they wanted their crops to grow. And they didn't know what to do, so they, they would do this, and they thought somehow the gods, gods were loving it, and they were getting high on it. Let me do a couple more Leviticus verses. Are we there? Are we Leviticus out? No, you got some more? Yeah? Okay. And we already did splash it. We already splashed blood. Is there another one? 2-9? How about 2-9? I got all day. They don't, but I do. Okay, 2-9, all right. I'll read it. I'll read it. Um, I mean, it's a riot. You get into Leviticus. I mean, if you ever have trouble sleeping, he shall take a portion of the memorial offering. So they do burnt offerings. They do grain offerings, they do fellowship offerings, they do sin offerings, they do guilt offerings. By chapter 5, you're doing guilt offerings. By the way, we should bring that back. <laughs> I was thinking about this morning, we should bring the old guilt offering back. So many people walk around feeling guilty, and I'm like, just bring me a cheeseburger. Five guys. You give it to the pastor, your sins are forgiven, brother. Leviticus 2, bring the grain offering. So we did the meat. Now we got the grain. Talking a balanced meal here. Um, he shall take out the memorial portion from the grain offering and burn it. It's a small portion. The, the, the first one, they burned a lot of it. This one, they burn a little bit. <clears throat> the rest of the offering belongs to Aaron and his sons. Aaron and his sons. It's a most holy part of the offering made to the Lord by fire. Are you with me? Who's getting the grain? A little bit goes to God. Most of it goes to who? Aaron and his boys, the priests. Wonder who wrote Leviticus? You, you want to read? There's some more. There's like a guilt offering, and if you get bring the guilt, you feel guilty about something, so you got to get it off your conscience. So you come, you bring an offering, and then you give, you pay restitution, and then, honest to God, they just aren't getting with the verses fast enough. There's a twenty percent cut for Aaron and his boys. It literally says add 20%, a fifth is what it says. Guess who wrote Leviticus? Did they trade money back then? No. They traded what? Animals. This is money. Everything you're reading about Leviticus is money. It was a money thing. Why? Why, Hosea says, do we need some screwed-up system that takes money out of the hands of hardworking people so the priests can get a lot of money, so they can feel better about themselves? 
Hosea says, this was whacked. <laughs> no, do it. Guess who quotes Hosea 6.6? 6? Young carpenter from Nazareth in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. For those of you that don't think I know the Bible. Why in the heck is Jesus... I'm going to call this on the level of consciousness or growth or understanding. I'll put Jesus of Nazareth up here, right? I'm not saying there's someone above him. Just relax. Just, why is Jesus going, yay, Hosey? Bravo, 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 bravo. That idea of God needs to die. It needs to die. Listen carefully to me. Old ideas of God do not die easily, my friends. I'll show you my email inbox. They don't die easily. And there's a lot of reasons why. There's emotional attachments, there's family attachments, there's all this other stuff that goes with it. I get it. I can, I can list you half of the songs that are sung in church that are absolute nuts. They have these songs about how much God loves blood and all this kind of stuff. We all just sing along. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Splash the blood. And we don't think, we just sing along because they're part, because songs become a part of our family. They become a part of our DNA. They become a part of our, our culture. Is this true? So you just can't unplug certain songs. It's kind of like whenever I do a funeral or if I read, the, let's say I read the Lord's Prayer or, or I do the 23rd Psalm. You guys know I always read these modern versions. I don't, you don't do it at a funeral. People freak out. You have to do the standard. It's not that time to stretch them. Are you with me? I'm trying to stretch you here. Hosea's trying to stretch everybody. You know what they do with most of the prophets? Hosea's a prophet. What do they do with most of the prophets? Kill them! Don't you know this? Do you guys know anything about the Bible? They kill them. Why do they kill them? You don't introduce new ideas about God that are keeping the people in power stupid wealthy. Church is free. Is it free? Heck no, it ain't free. The stage wasn't free. That camera wasn't free. The meter's outside going. I, why do I say it? Because I don't want this nonsense a part of your understanding of God, that you've got to pay to come here. That needs to die, that God's somehow happier with you. You just support because you love Orchard Grove and you want to continue. That's all. Some of you could support more than you currently are, but I wonder. <laughs> Jose was stretching people and it's uncomfortable. That's how God is. That, no, that's how God is. Honest to God, listen to me. 
thousands of years later, some of you still have a little bit of this in you. It's hard to get out of you. I'm not being critical of you. It gets in you, and you're like, no, but God's like needs something sacrificial from me to be happy. Otherwise, he's mad. Hosea's like, this is nonsense. Hosea 6.6, your new favorite verse. But what does God want? Be merciful and compassionate to each other. I mean, if your, kids, if your kids do something wrong, do you need someone to die? Well, someone's got to pay. I need, I need blood. <laughs> Honest to God. After a while, you just got to say, okay, I'm, you're sorry. Okay, okay. Don't do it again, please. Could you be compassionate to the, your brothers? How many parents are like, oh, I'd love that. Let's be compassionate. Um. So, Chris, but we're about to celebrate communion, and isn't that all about blood? Wasn't Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. We do not believe, or I can say I do not believe. The purpose of Jesus dying on the cross was because God needed blood. A lot of people teach that. That is taught everywhere. It is this, Leviticus, sneaking its way up into 2000, oh my God, and 19. Hosea tried to bury it. Jesus tried to help him, and it just keeps coming up. God doesn't need any blood sacrifice. If, any, if there's any way that blood is precious, it's this way. You know, my son was called away on combat. We didn't want to go, but he had to intervene. And he lost his life. And one of his buddies in arms was there, and he literally caught his blood dripping out of the side of him. That's precious blood. Do you understand that? That's precious blood. If you understand it in that way, to save life, to preserve life, then it's precious. It's invaluable. 